We, uh, we are ending our series, Death Defeated, here on Resurrection Sunday. I told you I have been excited about this message and the, the theme and the title of this message for since I uh, put the theme, uh, the message together. And today's theme is, it is finished, but you are not. It is finished, but you are not. And there is power in those words. Easter Resurrection Day is a remembrance that Jesus lived. He died and was raised alive so that we might have a, live a life worthy of his namesake in a relationship with God the Father. That's the whole purpose. He died. It wasn't so that we could have pretty little churches. It isn't so that we could dress up and take family photos twice a year. Unless you come to Freedom Church, then it's like 50 times a year because we do photo booths all the time. All the time. Um, I've had, you know, guys are like, I'm not used to like having to take this many family photos. Okay, stop it. Because uh, if there's a holiday like at Cinco de Mayo, we'll, we'll put, you know, we'll do something. <laughs> some of you are like, no, you won't watch me. You'll wear a sombrero hat and you'll take a picture with your family whether you like it or not. Okay? That's, that's, that's exactly, that's Mother's Day weekend. Exa- perfect. Uh, you <laughs> bunch of moms with <laughs> sombrero hats on. Maybe that'll be your gift, sombrero. Uh, but I, I told our dream team this, that there was an article that I read earlier this week about, you know, is Easter the Super Bowl Sunday of church? Oh, we're going to fill the house, which by the way, it feels really good today. I know it feels a little, you know, different because we're in a circle, but it feels really good today. It lo- I love looking at all your beautiful smiling faces. Some of you, <laughs> at least one of you is excited. But is it the Super Bowl? It, are we, do we treat Easter like we just get to, it's one day a year, and then we move on? And tomorrow, we'll just, hey, we'll, we'll talk about the champion for maybe another day, and then we'll just, we'll just continue to live life. How many's life was completely changed when Super Bowl Sunday happened and, 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 and a team won? Nobody's. Even if it was your team. My team has won it three times in my lifetime. It, it has not changed my life. Now, I get, I get excited when we talk about Super Bowl and the Cowboys and three times and watching the, the trio with Emmett and Aikman and, and Irvin. And, but listen, did it, did it change my life? Did it radically alter the, the, the direction that my life went in? Absolutely not. I'm a Rockets fan, a Houston Rockets fan when it comes to basketball. Okay, how, you may go, well, how? Well, first of all, I grew up in Texas and I didn't like the, well, it's not that I didn't like the Spurs, it's just, eh, whatever. When I was growing up, though, Michael Jordan was the big deal. But the only two years that Michael Jordan did not win the basketball championship, those two years, the Rockets did. That's how I became a Rockets fan. I started watching them during all of that time, and I was like, man, that's awesome. But did it radically change my life? No. No Super Bowl, no champion, no nothing is going to radically change your life. And so when we say that Easter is the Super Bowl or the championship of of church, what we're saying is that it's one really good day that will never change the rest of your life. I disagree with that. I believe that the words that Jesus spoke on the cross when he said, it is finished, should radically change the way that we live and the way that we see our faith. I have said these words all four, now five weeks of this series His death defeated sin. His resurrection defeated death. That is the championing of who Jesus is. I don't have to taste the the touch of death. I don't have to feel it in my bones. I don't have to ever experience its fullness because of who Jesus is. The fact that he went to the cross, he took on my sins and my shame and my hurt, and he died and he went to the grave and he resurrected means that I don't have to live a sinner's life and die a sinner's death. 
That should be worth championing. That should be something that gets us excited. That's, that's something more than just one day a week or one day a year. That's something that, man, I, I, I feel that right here inside of me. I get to live on behalf of Jesus. I love what Billy Graham said. Without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless. That's powerful. Think about it. How, how many people have died? I mean, millions, right? Millions of people have died. How many of them have one day a year designated to their resurrection? Absolutely nobody else. Nobody. His death is meaningless if there isn't a resurrection. His death is just another death, another criminal on a cross. The cross was the most painful, worst thing that you could do to somebody. It was their electric chair. That's how they saw it. It was, it was, it was, it was for the murderers. It was for the worst of the worst. Matter of fact, if you read the story, it says, give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. They would rather take a murderer than Jesus because once a year, the Roman guards would give somebody back out of jail. It'd be their pardon. And so, so they're like, hey, you want Jesus as your pardon? They're like, no, give us Barabbas, that murderer. Jesus, it's not his death, but it's the resurrection that gives the death meaning. As a believer, everything we do every day points back to the death and resurrection of Jesus. I have said this before, and I stand completely 100% behind it. You will look at Jesus one of three ways. You will either see him as Lord, you will see him as a liar, or you'll see him as a lunatic. He can't be somewhat of of both. He can't be, well, he's my Lord except for when. No, if you're going to say no, he's not Lord. Literally, the word Lord means I will not say no to you. That's what Lord means. When, 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 back in, in Europe, in the days of kings, when they would call them lords, if, 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 if the king or a lord came to you and said, Rodney, I want you to only wear pink. Lord, it's not flattering to my figure. Nope, off with his head. See, when you call somebody lord, they have right to your life over everything. When we call Jesus Lord, we're saying, I no longer live within myself, but God, whatever you want for me, whatever you have for me, even if I don't understand it, I'm going to walk and I'm going to trust. That's what baptism is about, that I'm going to die to self and I'm going to come alive to Christ and whatever you would have for me, Jesus, I will follow. So let's jump into some scripture this morning. And I promise I'm not going to keep you long, just enough for hopefully you to hear something that's going to help change and challenge your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. I'm going to read this quickly because it's been our foundational scripture for the last five weeks. It says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that um, it says that the law gives sin its power. If you don't know that it's wrong, is it wrong? That's what the law does, right? So if I tell you that stealing is bad, but you didn't know that before, you can claim ignorance. I didn't know stealing was bad. What are you? I just needed it. I took it. 
But when you find out that something is wrong, then there's a constant. Think about it. Um, as kids, that's how we learn. We don't know that, well, I mean, hopefully at some point you realize the stove is hot. Right? But how many times is it, hey, the stove is hot. Don't touch it. <laughs> I mean, how hot could it be? The stove's hot. Don't touch it. I mean, but really, like, is it like burn you hot or is it like, you know, just feels good, warm, hot? And you won't know sometimes until you actually, <laughs> I was never this dumb. I may have cinched my eyebrows on a stove. <laughs> but I've never burned my hand on a stove. Some of you can put two and two together and understand why your face would have to be that close to fire. Um, the rest of you just, you know, just keep thinking. Um, but, but I'm not, you know, I knew it was warm. It's hot. Or don't touch the cookies. Don't steal the cookies. And you eat the cookies. And you have to go through the consequence because, because law tells us that things are bad. And so the Bible says, hey, listen, the law of God, the Old Testament lays out all of these laws. And they tell us, it gives sin its power. But Jesus came to take the, the power away from sin and put it on resurrection and put it on following him. I love, and, and this is where we get our scripture for today. John 19.30 says this, when Jesus had tasted it, Think about it. when Jesus had tasted it. What is he talking about? Well, if you look back, he's actually um, uh, uh, he's taking sour wine because of the pain that he was in. That's what they gave him on the cross. He said when he tasted that sour wine, he said it is finished, and then he bowed his head and released his spirit. I want you to understand something. Jesus did not die out of pain, out of agony, because he had to. Jesus gave up his spirit. That's what the Bible says. It says that, that he stated, it is finished, and then he released his spirit. It was an act of will to say, I am now giving the final part of the sacrifice so that people can live free. He could have stayed on that cross for hours, days. That's what made the cross so agonizing. That, you would, that, that literally, they, could st they, they said that up to three days, they could stay on the cross, breathing, an immense pain, flesh literally being ripped open even more by the wood on the cross. They would have that little foot thing that their, their feet were nailed to, and it was just enough to where if they could muster up the strength, they could push up to get a breath because their arms were dropping, which was causing their lungs not to be able to breathe. And so to get a breath, they would have to push up on the nail that was in their feet to get a breath. And then back down. That's the pain that our Lord went through for you. Every sin that you ever committed. Like I was watching that video and many other, uh, others yesterday trying to figure out what video I wanted to, to kind of open up the service with. And if you haven't watched The Passion of Christ, I encourage you, or if you haven't watched it in a long time, go back and watch it. It is probably the truest, closest ver version of what he went through. They did not hold back and how bloody and gory. That's why it got a Reddit R rating. to know that my Savior's beard was ripped off of his face. He wasn't just whipped with a whip. He was whipped with a whip that was called the cat of nine tails. This would have pottery pieces attached to the end of it or glass pieces attached to the end of it so that when the whip hit your skin, it dug in and ripped skin off so that their bones would be exposed. Jesus on the cross, he doesn't let death win. He tells death, I've won. It is 
finished and he released his spirit so that we could have life. Finished is he won. He gave up his spirit as an act of will, completing the task at hand. Christ the victor, conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. It is finished. But here's the good news and the challenge all in the same time for Easter service. You are not. You haven't arrived. You're not perfect. And God is not done with you. If you've got breath in your lungs, God is not finished with you. I don't care if you're 99 years old and you have breath in your lungs, God is not done with you. I've told you about my pastor in Stockton, 70 years old, pastoring the same church for 20 years. And he says, we're done, we're retiring. I'm thinking, yeah, live out the last you know, 10 years of your life or whatever. Go do whatever you want to do. He goes, we're moving to Mexico and starting an orphanage. What? Are you crazy? This is, that's not how you spend your golden years. That is not like you, you get an RV and you travel the world or I don't, you, you know, you do whatever. You, you're going to go start an, oh, listen, because his idea was I'm going to die on the mission field. I don't want to, I don't want to rest. I don't want to relax. There's going to be plenty of time in heaven for that. I'm not done because I still got breath in my lungs. And don't let anybody ever tell you you're too old or too young to do anything. God wants to use you. It is finished because Jesus said it on the cross, but it is finished is the starting point for us to do something great in our lives. That is what it is finished means. The challenge is to realize that salvation is the starting point, not the end. Getting saved is not the end result. Well, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you all. Have a good night. No. If that was the case, the moment you said, Jesus, I choose you, it would be like, I dream of Jeannie, boop, and you'd be gone. What's the point of you being here? Just so you can screw up more? Like, think about, like, if, if, if God is not up there th thinking of ways to make life really hard for you. Like, well, watch this. They've got like 40 more years. Watch how hard it can be. Oh. No. Jesus says this. is like, when you choose me, that's the starting point of an amazing adventure, if you're up for it. So i got two thoughts. Normally I've got like three or four, so be thankful. The first thought is this. Don't look for life amongst the dead. Amen? What do I mean by that? Let's look at Luke 24, one through six. Jesus has died. He's gone to the tomb. Now Mary and the, and the and, and isn't it interesting? Just, this is where my mind gets really uh, sidetracked, I guess, a little bit in a good way. Isn't it amazing? It's not a man that finds Jesus. Some of you may be going, oh, what are you trying to say? Trying to say that back in that day, culturally, women were not on the same level as men. And yet Jesus constantly made women important in his ministry. It very, it very easily should have been the guy who owned the tomb. It should have been one of his disciples. But instead, it was a group of women that were going to the tomb that found Jesus first. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Why do we look? For the living amongst the dead. How does that equate to our lives on a day-to-day -day basis? So many times we look for the living amongst the dead. What do I mean by that? We look for the answers to life found in culture. 
We look for the answers of life found in other people's opinion of us or what is popular or what, what makes other people happy. We look for life found in the world around us for advice and for peace. You know, oh, if you just, if you do, if you follow this guru or if you follow this person or if you wear these clothes or if you get this job, you will be happy. Can I tell you, you could chase the world and get millions of dollars and you will not be happy, fully, completely happy without the love of Jesus in your life. You won't. I can, I can tell you that with a hundred percent surety. You could be, listen, I've, I've watched and read story after story after story of millionaires in deep, dark depression and pain and hurt. Why? Because they are human and money does not fix that. And I've watched the poorest of poor have peace. We talk about Guatemala. I've walked the streets of Guatemala where they literally have nothing, where they were growing strawberries in the dirt, literally mixed in with trash. By the way, they were amazing strawberries. We weren't supposed to eat them, but they were so good. Maybe that's what makes the gigantic strawberries. <laughs> I may glow if you turn the light off. I don't care. It's good. We were told, don't eat too many. I'm like, too late. <laughs> I've walked the streets where they don't have nothing. Where families of 10 live in a... a room smaller than our stage. I've sat with a Guatemalan kid who my wife tried to adopt, no joke, because his mom and dad both died and the lady that was taking care of him was dying of cancer. And the kid was about as happy as he could be by getting a small little Dollar Tree foam football that I played with him for like 30 minutes. What causes millionaires to be in depression? People like Kanye, Right? And people will say, well, did he really choose Jesus? Is that really ours to say? I don't, I don't get to choose whether or not you've chosen Jesus. Like, well, hold on, did Jerry really choose Jesus? Like that, this is where we get so messed up with church is that we try to choose whether or not somebody's salvation is real. I'm not Jesus, and neither are you. How do we know that we're not supposed to be as supportive to Kanye for walking through all that he's walked through? And you may go, oh, well, he's got millions, but if he doesn't have Jesus, I don't care what he has. Or when I was, uh, when Deion Sanders was playing for the Cowboys and he, was, he signed the highest check of a, a defensive back but yet decided to drive his Mercedes off of a, a hill in Dallas. Why? Because he was depressed. It was after that that he found Jesus. I don't care what you have. But the problem is that we look for the living amongst the dead. We look for the answers amongst death. We look for peace amongst death. We look for solutions amongst the wrong places, drugs and alcohol and, and relationships and all these different things that we try to run and attach ourselves to. And Jesus is saying, you keep looking for all the, the, the right answers in the wrong places. You're looking for peace. Good. You're looking for an answer. That's great. I want to help you. But you keep turning to all these things that you think are going to give you what only I can. Don't look in dead places for things to bring you life. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the life. Married people, people in, in relationships, I'm going I'm to tell you right now, here's my, here's my encouragement and challenge to you. Your spouse, your significant other cannot be your piece of life. They can't be the answer. You will, you will fail miserably trying to please that person. 
trying to make them happy all the time, trying to give them all the right. Listen, you will burn out. And that's the problem in life is we burn out chasing something that only Jesus can give us. That's it. There's no magic potion. There's no, you know, say this prayer five times, turn around, spin, spin on your head, do the hokey pokey, turn yourself. No, listen, follow Jesus. He's life. We keep looking and we, listen, as much as this is a tool, it's death. Now I'm not going to get a, oh, you evil people, turn your social media off. Why do we look for the living amongst the dead? I wonder how many likes I got. You know, that's the problem with social media is, is that it turns from a place where I want to share my life with you and all that, that's going on to a place where it's, oh, wait, how many likes? Oh, wait, how many likes? Oh, how many likes? How many? Oh, nobody saw my post. I got to repost it. I got to retweet it. I got to, somebody's got to like me on Instaworld. I used to tell teenagers all the time, you don't have 500 friends the most garbage thing ever. I've got a thousand followers. You don't know 10 people. But doesn't it make us feel good? Look, I've got a lot of likes. And Jesus is going, but the only one that matters is me. It's good to have friends. It's good to, to have connections. It's good to be able to do life with people. But can I tell you, when it's, when it's done and all the wrong reasons to, to get the likes, to be, to, to be attracted to something, to, to feel peace, to feel, listen, you want to know why a lot of people won't ever stop talking? Some of you are going, like you, I get it, okay? But you know why a lot of people don't stop talking is because then they would have to hear the voices in their head that tell them they're not good enough. Because we look for the living amongst the dead. So I'm telling you, choose life. Stop going back to the grave. Stop going back to the addiction. Stop going back to the things that hurt and harm and want to, and, and want to steal your joy and your life with Jesus. And the last point, the second point is this. The purpose of resurrection life is to live it. <laughs> not to celebrate it, not to get dressed up and take some family photos on Sunday. Resurrection life is meant to live. That's it. We, sh we should, listen, as Christians, we should be excited to wake up every day and go, it's a new day. It's, I, get, I get to make a difference. And it may not be this world-shaking, life-altering difference. I may not, like, go and save a thousand people for Jesus tomorrow. I may only be able to have one simple conversation that maybe just gets somebody to think in the direction of Jesus. You are doing your job by living out resurrection life. I want to give you three scriptures that, that speak to this. How many would believe that somebody's final words are important? Somebody's deathbed words? You know, like, hey, listen, I ain't got much left, so I'm not going to try to just say something stupid right now. This isn't time for a meme or a joke. You know, it's like, I'm dying. I want something to be real. What are Jesus' last words? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. John 20, 21. He says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Acts 1.8, these are all his last words. These are all within a time frame after he's been resurrected. 
Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus was making a point. Life is short. The Bible says it's but a vapor. But a vapor. But, but, but a piece of grass that, that grows and gets dead because of the sun and then, and then is, is gone. And he says, while you're here, here's your job. Everybody, you, how many want to know their purpose today? I'm going to tell you, it's not in your job. It's not what you do. It's not how much money you make. It's not who you're married to. It's none of that. I can promise you all of that can be really good. Here's your purpose. To go and to speak the truth to as many people as you possibly can, living it out so that people may follow you to Jesus. That's it. It's real simple. And whatever you do, whether you're in business for yourself, whether you're a teacher, whether you're in the medical field, whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a retired person, it does not matter what you do or who you are and what stage of life. Your job, your purpose in life is to live in such a way that people see Jesus through you, that they may see him go into all the nations, speaking of who I am. I'm sending you. The Holy Spirit is going to help you go into Camden and then to Washita County and Arkansas and the United States and to the ends of the earth. That's what that scripture says. Our Jerusalem is Camden. Our Samaria is Arkansas. Our Judea is Arkansas. Our Samaria is the United States. To the ends of the world. We have a challenge to live it out every single day. Every person you interact with, whether it's one or 100, you have the option to, to choose life or to choose death, to give them resurrection life or to hold back this grace of God. You can leave here and not change, and it won't impact me one bit. That sounds harsh, but I'm not sorry. I learned this a long time ago. I don't hold the power to change your life. I don't. I used to take that as a pastor. I used to take that such as a big challenge. Oh, I've got to save everybody. Oh, I've got to tell them Jesus. I've got to, I've got to preach Jesus into their life. You've got to know Jesus. Till Jesus said, that's my job. I change lives. You're just a tool. Okay, okay. Me and Jesus have a really like, you know, he doesn't talk to me with flowery words. He just hits me with them, makes me feel like, hmm, sometimes. But it's a good thing. He challenges me. Why are you trying to do my job? Just show them who I am. It's not my job to change you. If you want to continue to, to, to do whatever you want to do and to sin and, and live your life however you want, then hey, that's on you. It's not, listen, after this service, I'm going to go home and I'm going to enjoy some time with my wife's family and then I'm going to enjoy some time with my family and I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to wake up and tomorrow I'm going to do the same thing that I do every day, which is to try to show as much Jesus to the people around me. I'm inviting you into this life to follow Jesus and do the most that we can, changing the world around us. How many would love to see your world, your little bubble, completely changed for Jesus? How many would love to see Camden completely changed for Jesus? How many would love to see this world find and know a real Jesus, and not just some religion in a church, but a real life-changing, community-changing Jesus? Who will it impact? Everyone that you are the answer to a prayer. You know that people are praying and you're the answer to that prayer? God, I just pray that you would send somebody. How many have ever prayed that prayer? God, I just pray that you would send somebody in their path that they would know you. You know, when we pray that prayer, we're praying that somebody like you would be in their path. That maybe I can't impact them. but Maybe Gerald can. 
Maybe I can't speak the truth to them, but, but maybe just in conversation, maybe they're out hunting. All of a sudden, he starts talking about this life-changing Jesus. Oh, that's for sissy folk. I'm here killing things too, and I love Jesus. See, we never know the moment that people might say, show me what you've got that I don't. You know, the gospel challenges us, it changes us, it convicts us, it equips us, and it encourages us. That's the point of the gospel. The story of Jesus is, is there to make us feel good about being his, his followers, but it also there to challenge us. There's things in us that do not look like Jesus. <laughs> Amen? I mean, I haven't met the perfect person yet. So we all have things in us that we're like, Jesus, can you help? Like, I just need it to, to get out of me. And that's what he does. You know, the title Christian literally means little Christ. So when you say I'm a Christian, it's not just some badge of honor that, you know, somebody made up somewhere. It literally translates to little Christ. You are carrying literally the spirit of Jesus with you. I love that. I want to end with Romans 10, 14 through 15. It says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe? This is a beautiful um, stepping stone of how people find Jesus. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. And let me break your little thought process on this. It's not talking about pastors. It's talking about all of us. If you profess to love Jesus, your goal and your, listen, how can anybody hear unless they've been sent? But what did we hear in Matthew and John and in Acts? We've all been sent. So the answer to that question is found in what Jesus already said. He says, hey, I've already sent you. I've already called. If you're looking for a sign, Rodney, here's your sign for your old bucks. Little Bill Inville, okay? If you don't know, you need to go look it up. We're, we're waiting. Jesus, if you would just wait for this bright light. No. He's already spoke it. I have called each and every one of you. And if you profess to follow me, then I'm sending you out to be little Christians everywhere you go. Little Christ. In your schools, teenagers. In your schools, teachers. <laughs> in your families, at the bank, at Walmart, where it sometimes gets challenging, at the gas station, it's always challenging right now. We're sent to, to, to show God's love, to be little Christ, that we would stop looking for the living amongst the dead and that we would go and show the dead what living looks like is what Resurrection Sunday is about. My job is to pull as many people that living in death and show them life. So how will they hear, see, or know the gospel if we don't go and live it? Don't wait for your pastor to do it. Don't wait for a leader to do it. Well, that's somebody else's job. No, that's our job. We want to see Camden changed. We want to see churches filled up. Like, I, want to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to go and reach so many people that we can't even have enough services here that we're like, hey, can you please go to First Baptist? Can you please go to Oasis? Can you please go to you know, Camden Bible? Like, I want, I, want to, I want to send people to other churches. 
I want, I, want, I want Camden to be so full of people that love Jesus that we're like, hey, um, Rodney, next up, go start a church. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, want, I want this to be a place where we believe in the miracles that Jesus did and the, the miracles can happen because we are little Christ, not because we are God. And I want you, this, this is a completely, I want to make sure that you understand this because the theology that sometimes is spoken in churches is that you are a God. no. By any stretch of the imagination, absolutely not. You hold the power of the one who died for our sins in you. Jesus said, greater things you will do than I did. Why? Because there's more of us. And if we hold the power of Christ in us, then miracles do happen. Lives do change. But you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus in you first. So here's my encouragement, my challenge, my equipping to you today. Tell your story. You all have a story. Like this, let me make it really easy biblically. You all have a story. I don't care who you are. Well, I grew up and just lived a simple life. Okay, that's your story. Tell it to somebody. Tell them how your simplistic life got wrecked for Jesus. Well, I was a drug addict and this and that and that. Okay, tell your story. I can't tell your story. Like, I can't tell your story, man. I know a little of it. But there's, not, there's, there's something about the power that stands behind Blake's story when Blake tells it. I mean, I could run around Camden telling it, oh, let me, tell, let me tell you about my buddy Blake. I love him. He's always also happy. He's going to be like one of the greatest nurses in Camden. But that's, that's, that's his story to share. I've got my story. You've got your story. Listen, if we all just told our story about how Jesus impacted our life, more people would be like, I want that. But instead, we try to get very biblical and theological and, well, you know, Jesus died on a cross. We try to give him the ABCs of salvation. If you've been around in church long enough, you get, like, told all these theological things. You study, you know, how to, how to reach people for Christ. Just tell your story. Don't make it complicated. What did Jesus do for you? Now go tell somebody. That's what John and Peter did. They were walking into church. Got any money? Nope. What I do have, I can give you. What's that, Jesus? We try to make it so complicated. Do you go to church? Have you said the Lord's Prayer? Are you covered by the blood of the Lamb? No, nor do I want to. Sorry, sucker, I'm out. Weird church covering people with blood, Lamb's blood. No. What did Jesus do for you? Tell the world that. Hey, if you're new in your faith, tell them that. I don't know much. What I do know is this, Jesus changed my life, and I'm learning more and more how to do it. You may still slip up and cuss. You may still do something that you're not supposed to. You still may say things that are a little out of pocket for Christianity. Guess what? That's okay because you're walking in your faith and you're learning, and Jesus says, just go and tell your story. He's going to do the, 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 the sanctification, the cleaning you up, but just go and tell your story. It's going to draw people to him. I could spend all day just talking about the different times, the Jesus people movement, and all these different ways where people didn't have a clue how to tell people anything about Jesus through the Bible, but they were just like, hey, yo, man, I just, I found Jesus. Bunch of hippies getting saved. Y'all think, of, look up the 70s, the P Jesus people movement. It was a bunch of hippies that got saved and literally were coming off the beach. And let me tell you something, the church couldn't stand it. You're not dressed good enough to come into church. Where's your shoes at? Son, don't you know that only females have long hair? 
Y'all think I'm joking. Listen, the church has done more damage for Jesus than anybody else in the world. And it's about time that we change that. It's about time that we show, hey, look, I don't care if you come in here shorts with your Crocs and, and, and listen, whether in four-wheel drive or, or in two-wheel drive, I don't care. Come with shorts and boots, I don't care. I love Sean, purple mohawk, blue mohawk, whatever color it is from week to week, I don't, I don't care because you know why? Jesus doesn't care. He wants to know you. If we all were supposed to look the same, then then he would have just made us all look the same and dress the same and act the same because we want you to tell your story to a group of people that maybe never will be changed if I tell my story to them. Tell your story. Live the changed life every day. How we interact with people, talk with people, see people. The enemy is, uh, listen, the revelation says this, is that you want to know how the enemy is overcame in your life and, and ultimately by the blood of Christ and the word of your testimony. Don't add anything to that. It's Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, resurrection, death, and life in him, and it's you telling your story. The woman at the well, Paul, the adulterous woman, Peter, the possessed and crazy man, the difference, the hurting, the, the painful, all of them were changed because somebody was willing to tell them their story. So that's my encouragement. That's my encouragement to you is that if you get nothing else out of this message, this resurrection day, it's not meant to keep here in the house. It's meant for out there. The move of God was never meant to make the church look good. It was to save the lost, the hurting, and the needing, to show them life from death. I saw this over and over and over again as we wrap up and pray. What a great thought as we transition to past Resurrection Day, whatever that means. Every day is Resurrection Day if you love Jesus. But it says this, Jesus washed Judas's feet. Jesus knew he was going to betray him. Yet Jesus still took the lowly position of a servant to the man who was going to send him to his death. And he washed his feet. And we don't understand culturally what that means because we don't wash people's feet. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah, it was gross to them too. Even more so because they wore sandals and they didn't have sanitary systems. So they were walking in animal poop, human poop, dirt collecting on their feet. It was the lowliest person in the house's job to wash the feet of people when they came into the house. And Jesus says, I'm going to wash your foot. And he does it to all the disciples, including Judas. And then he allows Judas to sit at the table and eat. When we tell our story and we live it out, We'll even want our enemies to change. We'll even want the people that speak death to us to change. We'll want the people that have the hardest hearts to change because we're following Jesus' example and we're treating people like Jesus did. Will you pray with me? Maybe you're sitting here. Maybe you haven't been to church in a minute. Maybe... 
You've just been doing your own thing and you've been looking for life everywhere else but Jesus. Today, I, I, I invite you to choose life. If you have not made that decision to follow Jesus personally for yourself, today's just as good as any day to start. That's you, and you just want to pray, Jesus, I want to start living for you. And you've never prayed that, or maybe you haven't prayed it, and you've been doing your own thing. No matter what the scenario is, maybe you're sitting there, and you're just like, man, I need to choose Jesus from now on. That's you. I just want to pray for you. If you're, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, man, I, I'm tired of, of trying to find life amongst the dead. Amen. God sees that hand. I, I just want to choose Jesus. Amen. I want to choose Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I'm tired of trying to, to look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way. I, I need Jesus, and I've been trying to do it on my own. And I, I just, Pastor, pray for me. Jesus, I pray for those that raise their hand. God, I pray that in their heart of hearts, the word says that we have to believe in our hearts and then we speak it with our mouth. So God, I pray that they believe in their hearts that you died on a cross for their sins. But even greater than that, you resurrected to give them life. And that starting today, though it may not be perfect, they will start to tell their story and they will start to live out looking more like you every single day how they speak, how they act, how they interact with people. Jesus, that you would pour through their life to see your love and to live your life out. Father, I pray for each and every person. I feel like there's another group of people that I need to pray for this morning. And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I have been looking towards, I, I love Jesus. I, I follow him, but you know what? I've been looking and holding on to death in my life, afraid of what that may look like. And today I want to, I want to make a decision to let go of death completely. Maybe that's a, a relationship. Maybe it's, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's the amount of time that you spend just checking out because you're emotionally hurt. If you're in this room and you're saying, man, I'm, I'm so tired of choosing death even though I want to choose life. I'm so tired of giving my time and energy to things that just hurt me over and over again and I want to choose life. If that's you and you're in this room, I just want to pray for you. If you would just raise your hand so I could pray for you. Amen. 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 God sees those hands. And the greatest part about it is that we live it out. It's not just raising our hands and forgetting about it. Tomorrow when you wake up, God, I'm choosing life. I'm letting go of the things that hurt me. I'm letting go of the emotions that hold me back. I'm letting go of this addiction that continues to steal life and joy from me. Jesus, I speak the name of Jesus over the lives of those that have allowed hurt, that have allowed pain, that have allowed addiction, that have allowed uh, people to steal the joy that you have given us. I speak your name over it. I pray for miracles in this room in the lives of your people. That God, that you would do what only you can do. Jesus, we love you. We celebrate you, but we don't just celebrate you today. We celebrate you every day. We give you glory and honor. God, help us to live it out. Help us to tell our story and help us to change the world around us. We love you. We praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. 